Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Harbert, your host. And with me today, of course, is Brandon Noway. And we're talking about Mr. Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter. I know he's been real busy watching racing with uh, this past weekend, but you know why we're here? We're here all about baseball. So, Brandon, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Still a little exhausted from about maybe 1,300 miles of racing, but hey, it's it's Christmas for race fans. I, I don't mind being a little tired after it. And boy, are those legs tired after 1,300 miles, I'm sure. <laughs> well, man, oh, man, oh, man. You know, because in baseball, there's been absolutely nothing going on whatsoever. Oh, yeah, nothing. I mean, it, it's gotten so boring. We're talking fantasy football instead of baseball. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, Mr. Tommy Pham, anyway. But, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know we're on tight ship today. So we got Brandon here. We're going to crack on down on what's happening with the MLB. Let's get started. All right, we're going to start in our home division, the AL East, where the Yanks still lead that division, 34-15 and 15 record, five and a half ahead of the Blue Jays, who are 28-20, and 20, who are having a hot streak. They're 8-2 and two over their last 10. They're the hottest team in the AL East by far. The Rays, they've gone into a little bit of slump, struggling offensively, 28-21, and 21, six games back, playing 500 ball over the last 10. The Red Sox jumped up to fourth last week and stayed there. They are 23 and 27, 11 and a half games back. And the Orioles are just behind them at 21 and 30, 14 games back. So the Red Sox and the Orioles are fighting for that last place finish in the game. Uh, it's, it's sad, <laughs> man. It really is. I mean, you know, but one bright note for me anyway, the Red Sox, because I, I, there's players out there I like. I mean, Last night they stuck again. I'm trying to figure out what, what that game was. But uh, earlier this past week, Nate Ivaldi, one of my favorite pitchers because he has so much diversity in the type of variety, I should say, the type of pitches he can deliver. He had his, I think it was his first complete game, man. It was his 211th start and his first complete game. I mean, you don't see very many complete games nowadays. No, I mean, we had two this week and, We'll, we'll talk about another one later, but Nate, you know, he was out there. He was delivering it, man, after uh, nine innings with the five to three victory, you know, over the over the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Well, one bottom one smacking the other bottom one. It's it just gets oh. it just gets to be ridiculous sometimes. Yeah, it's not the greatest stretch for the Red Sox. They lost two out of five against Orioles, a back to back series against a team I. Don't don't see that too often, but they got the Reds coming in town last night at the time of recording, which would be Tuesday night that the Reds came in. Hoping they can, you know, sort of bounce back off of a bottom feeder. That really wasn't the case as they dropped the, the opener two to one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw a little bit on the condensed game on that. Man, it looked like some sloppy fielding by the by the Red Sox out there, and that'll make a difference. So you know, all the teams, we wish all teams well, but we always want our own to win. And uh, speaking of our own team, so the race dropped down to third since the Blue Jays moved up. Uh, one good bit of news for Rays as far as just exciting watching the game. I think Kevin Kiermaier, he led off the team as the DH the other day. I know also this past, I think it was past week, he had one game where he had the uh, walk-off home run. And that was another first. <laughs> you know, he's got a, he's had a pretty exciting week. So, Rays, you may be suffering right now at the hands of Texas, but there there is some good news or some good things to look at. Yeah, Kiermaier, he's had his best year. 
He's I think he's been the best player on the race so far. You know, Franco and, and G-Man, they started off hot, but they've sort of tapered off a little bit. Some of that due to injuries and some of that just to, you know, the ebbs and flows of the season. Oh, yeah. But Kiermaier's probably been the most consistent guy at the plate so so far into this season. Yeah, I continue to – I hope to see him continue to do well because he has, in the past year or so, been the subject of, why haven't we traded him yet? You know, it's like, <laughs> come on, people. I know. And other people say, Kevin Kiermaier is an institution, and he'll be here as long as Longoria. Oh, I'm sorry. He's not here anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was, I was glad to see, you know, that. We'll, we'll see how they continue to play the remainder of the year. What else is going on, man, What across the American League? All right, we'll head west to the AL Central. Or the Twinkies, the Minnesota Twins still lead 30 and 21. Even though they're playing 500 ball, thankfully the rest of the division isn't playing very great. They're either 500 or below, as the White Sox are in second at 23 and 24, five games back. The Guardians, 21 and 24, six games back. And the Detroit Tigers, 19 and 30, 10 games back. We're the only team playing above 500 in that division over the last 10 games, despite their league worst offense. And then in last place, the Kansas City Royals, 16 and 32, 12 and a half games back. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen here. I mean, I'm looking at Royals, some other little notes here. Zach Grinke, you know, he was having some trouble with his forearm sore and tightness there. I don't know that's really going to make much difference if he's in or out of the game. The Royals don't really seem to be showing it. Uh, you know, it's, it's what was it looking at the, the White Sox? I mean, they've had a tough row. They're, there's now on the road with three games against the Blue Jays, two games with the Rays, and then I think next Tuesday they finally return. What was uh, three games with the, with the Dodgers? So we'll see there. But most importantly to me in the AL Central was what was happening with the Cleveland Guardians, and I'm not talking about the Guardians, you know, as a whole. I'm looking at the gentleman by the name of Mr. Ramirez. That's right, Jose Ramirez. He is the AL player of the month and he was also the American League player of the month for last month uh taking a look at a few notes from MLB says Ramirez who agreed to sign a seven-year 141 mil contract million contract with uh, Cleveland he did that just before opening day he was batting at the time I think last month about 342 he had seven home runs then and 28 RBIs let's see uh this month he started hot he's had uh Let's see, overall, three home runs, 11 RBIs, and total seven of Ramirez's eight hits went for extra bases, along with being tied to the league in triples, four. Ramirez leads all of baseball with 51 RBIs. Oof. He became the first player to reach 50 RBIs this season. This is all from MLB, and he's batting 297 on the year with 13 home runs, 11 doubles, six steals, and 28 runs scored while only striking out 15 times. Jose Ramirez, we salute you, and I'm looking forward to seeing if you're you're the AL uh, Player of the Month the next month. We'll see how that pl- goes. I mean, the way he's playing, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he is. And he's definitely not the problem with the, the Guardians right now. <laughs> no. And I, if I remember correctly, he left a bunch of money on the table too because he said – it's not about money, so he took the seven for one forty-one. So he left some money out there. So, I mean, the Guardians are getting a bargain from him. 
Yeah, and you know, and very nice for them indeed. And I think didn't he play? Hmm, didn't he play with Lindor, who's the National League uh, Player of the Month? I think that Lindor uh, used to be with Cleveland as well, didn't he? Yes. So wow, can you imagine if both of them were still on that team? <laughs> chills. <laughs> yeah, that could be pretty good. Chills, 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 chills. Wow, that'd actually be a pretty exciting division if you know the, that Guardians team was going up against you know. The twins team when you know Carlos Correa is healthy. Mm. That would be that could be a really exciting matchup to watch. I'll keep my eyes open for it. I don't know if they're on the schedule, but I'll, I'll be looking. I'll be uh, looking to see what's coming. What else we got, brother? All right, wrapping up the American League out west. The Astros are starting to pull away a bit. They are 32 and 18, 7 and 3 over their last 10 games. They are five games ahead of the Angels, who are 27 and 23. Kind of going through a slump right now, 3 and 7 over their last 10. Then the Rangers at 500 are 24 and 24, seven games back. The Mariners, 21 and 28, 10 and a half games back. And the Oakland A's, 13 games back at 20 and 32. Ooh. I got to watch a few of the games in the AL West this week. You know, one of them was uh, watching the Rays and the Rangers and playing out there in Arlington, Texas. But uh, Eli White, this guy, this outfielder, I think he was center fielder. You know, he was just amazing. We're talking about how G-Man Choi may be actually falling back a bit, but he had this beautiful, beautiful home run hit, and it looks like it's about – three feet over the wall, but Eli White, center fielder for the Rangers, leaps probably four feet up, and he gets that ball. I mean, it was just dumbfounding to me to see him get it. Uh, part of my heart broke because I thought, gee, man, yeah, you home run. Oh, my gosh, this can't happen. And he did a great job with that, Eli White. Not only that, he came back later in the game and hit a home run. So, Eli White, kudos to you. I'm looking for great things you come as the season develops as well. And that's that's not a low wall that he he jumped he almost jumped over either. It's not like the one that the Rays have in the left field corner where it's <laughs> waist high. That's yeah. like as tall as a average sized human, and he almost jumped over it. He he was amazing to watch him. I want to keep watching him a little more, like I said, especially with see Eli White, what he's gonna be doing. But yeah, that was that was taller than you might think. Uh see, oh, when we were talking about complete games. While we did say Nadia Ovaldi got one with uh, with the Red Sox and Coraline played nine innings, Framber Valdez with the Astros, man, he pitched a complete game the other day with 114 pitches against the A's. Now, they won that, but I thought, you know, man, surely your arm's getting tired. So I looked back a couple of games, and the, the two previous games he pitched, one of them was 105 pitches, another was 106 pitches, and before that it was like 96. So – this guy, <laughs> he's got some durability, man. You know, I just hope that arm stays strong. Hey, that's what we call old school. Oh. <laughs> I say it's old school, but I remember watching that 10, 15 years ago as a kid. Wow, that says a lot, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I say the Angels, you know, you were mentioning earlier. I mean, they got swept at home in a four-game series against the Blue Jays. There is nothing worse than getting swept at home and in four games good gravy man that's some serious pain yeah i mean at least they're going up against a good opponent in the blue jays but you're still you're at home it's a west coast game so you know the time change it's you know sort of an excuse for them but you still gotta play your professionals but 
it ended up working in their favor because they beat you four out of the seven games or all four out of the four games. And then last night against the Yankees, I didn't watch the whole game, but they started out Syndergaard was struggling. Trout was diving all over the place and almost hurt himself at one point early Jeez. in the game. And I didn't see the end of the game, but I believe the Yankees still won that game. So a pretty ugly stretch so far this week for the, the angels. Yeah. I mean, it, with that happening, and I mean, so the the AL East's beating up on them. They've got a three. So this is what they got the three game series going on right now in New York, and like I said, they they lost the first one. So we'll see what comes of that. But I imagine Joe Madden might be checking his stopwatch and see how much time he has left with that team. But this continues when you got the type of talent that he does with Shohei and Trout. And like you're saying, even Syndergaard, but when you get some struggling like that, eh, they might be looking at Joe again. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we heaped high praise on the Angels a, a few weeks ago. Maybe it was too early to heap some of that on them, but it, this also could just be a bad stretch, which you know every team goes through. It's 162 games. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. And I was wrong about the Yankees game. They did not keep it close. The Yankees won 9-1. to one. So... That wasn't close at all, and it doesn't get any easier because they have the two games against the Yankees, the Phillies, who, you know, it seems like they can win, but they just get in their own way at times, and then the Red Sox come to town, so it's not the easiest. And then the Mets, followed by the Dodgers. (laughs) So they have a couple series to get it figured out because if they don't, it could snowball pretty quickly against two, two of the teams from the NL. Look out, boys and girls. So I guess that's a wrap on the American League. What else we got, man? All right, with the NL, and speaking of the Mets and Phillies, the Mets still lead the NL East at 34-17, and 17, well ahead of the Braves, who are 10 and a half back at 23-27. and 27. The Phillies, 21-29, and 29, 12 and a half back, tied with the Marlins, who are 19-27, and 27, 12 and a half back as well. And then the Nationals, 16 games back at 18-33. and 33. I mean, too, if, you, if you're looking when we're talking about the American League Player of the Month and how well Cleveland should be doing, you know, with, with Jose Ramirez, uh, the Mets also, they put up a, a player for National League of the <laughs> Yeah, the National League Player of the Month, <laughs> and that was Francisco Lindor. Uh, he has just been hot. I'm looking here again at some notes from MLB. said, uh, look, Lindor has been one of the hottest hitters in baseball over the past month, and last week was no exception. Along with slashing 348, 407, 870, Lindor drove in a run in every game last week and recorded an RBI in eight straight game, eight straight games. <laughs> Lindor's best game of the week came on Tuesday when he recorded a triple, home run, and six RBIs and a 13 to 12 Mets loss to the Giants that might end up being the game of the year. Well, I got to take that and went up to see it. Hmm. <laughs> Lindor finished with 14 RBIs over the week span to go along with two doubles, two triples, and two home runs. On the season, they're saying here the switch hitting, a shortstop is betting a 262 with eight home runs and 40 RBIs. You know, and that's the Mets are just, you know, they're doing great, as you mentioned a moment ago, with 667 uh, average being across both leagues. The only one who's beating them is that are the Yankees with a 694 average. Yeah, I mean, Lindor's gonna—he's on track for a great year because at this point we're a third of the way through the season, 
he's on track for 120 RBIs. So he's having a great year. And if he can keep that up as well as the Mets throughout the year, we could have the Mets making another run into the playoffs. Well, you know, we all thought Steve Cohen's put enough money down on that. He should be seeing a team there. Uh, I would be actually more surprised if they weren't there, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, we thought this was going to happen last year. We we infamously picked a <laughs> Mets, Padres, NLCS, and that we weren't even close on that one. No. Both teams didn't even make the playoffs. Sure. But <laughs> this year, it is a distinct possibility of it happening. You know, a third of the way through the year, anything can happen. But maybe we just got the prediction right. It was just a year later. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it just needed a little bit more seasoning on those uh, on yeah. that team. Yeah. So, so what's happened? What else has happened across the National League? All right, into the Central, where the Brewers are leading at thirty-two and nineteen, three games ahead of the Cardinals, who are twenty-eight and twenty-one. Then, surprisingly, in third, even though they are further back, nine and a half games are the Pirates at twenty-one and twenty-seven. Then the Chicago Cubs at twenty and twenty-nine are eleven back. And then the Cincinnati Reds creeping in a little bit closer to fourth place there, 13 and a half back at 17 and 31. Wow, man. It's this past week, Central National League has been a little wacky. Now, I don't know if you saw any this Pirates Dodgers series. Uh, to me, it was foregone conclusion. Eh, you know, Dodgers, Pirates, Pirates are. I wouldn't say bottom feeders, but they're certainly not, you know, the ones I expect to see at the top. I mean, and they, the parts took the first game in a three game series in LA with a six five win over the Dodgers on Memorial day. And let's see went on to Tuesday, the parts would return to Dodger stadium to hand the LA team another defeat with a five to three win. And they play again tonight, Brandon. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but, uh, I didn't see this coming with Pirates winning that, you know, well over the Dodgers. Yeah, and and they played a good team over the weekend in the Padres, and even they only won one out of the three games. They didn't get blown out as they lost four to three and then four to two, so they kept it close. It's not like they were losing ten to one like like the Red Sox did. They kept it close, and I mean that's sort of surprising because we didn't really expect much from the Pirates. We thought they'd be. You know, maybe a little bit closer to Reds territory, but they seem, I'd say maybe a little bit more like the Orioles where they're more respectable. They're not going to be a, they're not just going to roll over for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, right now they're, they're uh, winning averages 438. So obviously beneath 500. Uh, but I, I, uh, I don't know. They're doing more than I certainly did anticipate coming from them. So. I guess I wish them. I wish everybody good luck. <laughs> I'm so wishy washy, but uh, yeah, I mean, and then what? You look at the at Cardinals. You know, as right now, I think they may be on the best winning streak of the last ten games with about seven to three win. And uh, one of those, the guys that really is always fun to watch on the Cardinals is Paul Goldschmidt. Man, right now he's got a hitting streak. I think of about twenty games. No, 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 no. Yeah, 20-game hitting streak and a 34-game on base streak. Now, Goldie, as they call him, is definitely something worth watching with the Cardinals. And as you mentioned with the Cubs and the Reds, I mean, 
uh, you know, if you're the, <laughs> the, you're the Cubs, everything's been looking bad since the World Series. I hate to say it since they won it. It seems you'll be giving up so many players. And add insult to injury. What the Reds really drubbed the Cubs last night, oh, excuse me, last week, one game with a 20 to 5 win. You know, so that just was mind numbing to me. Yeah, for the Cubs, I mean, I remember we were talking about it near the end of last year when they traded everybody away. They were, they were like, we're not going to just spend our way out of it. We're going to reload and make another run at it. And, you know, I mean, we all kind of knew that this year was going to be a write-off over time. I don't know how it's going to go, like, next year or the year after that. I know Cubs fans would probably like to see some progress a little bit quicker than what they're seeing right now. But, I mean, being fourth in the division behind the Pirates and – then getting blown out, like you said, to the Reds, yeah. who are looked at as arguably the worst team in all of baseball. That that's definitely got to leave a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, it, it absolutely has to. And I mean, it, it's it's just crazy seeing what's going on there. But um, I'm curious to see with these Reds anyway, because you know, anytime you play them and they beat you that bad, it's like a slap in the face. So, oh, okay. Oh, come on now. <laughs> We won't say anymore, <laughs> but oh gosh, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's some crazy things going on there with the Reds. You know that that little indiscretion of uh, Tommy Pham's probably more than that. But uh, some said, you know, instead of confronting Jock Peterson about some of the ways that he did things with the uh, their little fantasy league. They should have taken that up with the league's commissioner, <laughs> meaning the fantasy <laughs> league's commissioner. I said, "Yeah, that, that sounds right." Yeah. I think he was a little busy considering his name is Mike Trout. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's busy at the moment. I'm sorry. Is that is that what was going on? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what else we got going, brother? All right, and to close out our rundown, we finish out west with the NL West, where the Dodgers still in first place at 33 and 16. Padres, a little bit behind them, three games back at 30 and 19. Then the Giants in third place at 27, 21, five and a half back, coming off of a weekend where they wish it was a fantasy after getting slapped around by the Reds. (laughs) Then we got to go a little bit ways to the Diamondbacks, who are nine games back at 25 and 26. And then the Rockies at 10 and a half back are 22 and 26 as well. Yeah, you know, for me, looking at the NL West, the one thing that really kind of popped, of course, was what we talked about earlier. It was the Pirates and Dodgers series. You know, that that was there. We, we've already addressed that. Uh, it's like, geez, man. And, and, you know, all this is happening. I think Dave Roberts turned 50 on the day that they were getting beat by the Pirates. <laughs> it's like, the Pirates have come and stole your happiness, Dave. <laughs> <But> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But uh, the other thing about the Giants that I've, so what was it? Uh, earlier last week, I was looking at a stat on Evan Longoria, our, our favorite third baseman, historic third baseman from the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, now playing with the Giants. He, over a six-game stretch, he'd hit five home runs. And I thought, yes. I think he's about like 36 years old now, Brandon. And to see uh, him still bringing it, that's that was just huge. Yeah, and we've talked about it, and we've, We've been hoping that he'd be successful because he was very successful here. The the last few years, you know, he had some moments. He had some moments that weren't so great. Yeah. Remember at some point we called him ele- elevator shaft Evan because <laughs> in clutch moments, he just hit it straight up the elevator shaft. Yep. 
but he did have some really big moments. And ever since he went to the Giants, you know, he's sort of, you know, we haven't heard much from him, which, I mean, you're on the Giants. There's some some pretty big talent in there, like Buster Posey, Crawford, guys like that. And hopefully he's, you know, he's getting his getting his step back to where he's one of the, the top third basemen in the league. Well, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more for him. Some say, well, he's doing a lot. Don't know if they'll make, be a Hall of Fame caliber when the time comes, but we'll see. He'll be one of my favorite players for a long time to come. Yeah, it, it, I don't like you. I don't think you'd be a Hall of Famer. I think you'd be in the Hall of Hall of Very Good. <laughs> but he definitely has a career that I mean, if he were to walk away right now, I'd say he had a, a very successful career because I mean, he won Gold Gloves, all the success that he had with the Rays, winning those awards. I think a, a very well done career, and nothing to nothing to be ashamed of there. No, no, I take it. Oh, yeah. Well, again. <laughs> He's a great player, and he's the one you, you really like to see on a regular basis because you know that he's going to deliver. And like you said, taking it up the elevator when needed. But <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! So is that it? Is there any other nuggets or notes we we need to know about the MLB rundown this week? No, I think believe that's it. All right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit later on the show with uh, Mary Kitts about softball. But before we get there, I was going to give a little teaser, Brandon, because I want to do a show on a, t- a team that's uh, selling out, this minor league team selling out every game. They got 4,000 seats, and they're called the Savannah Bananas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm telling you, you, you have to check it out on YouTube. They've got something on ESPN and HBO coming up. Uh, you talk about marketing, these guys have got it figured out. Can I give you an idea about Savannah Bananas up there? Is that uh, if you want to go to a game, obviously they're sold out, season tickets, et cetera. I went on SeatGeek and said, oh, maybe we we'll could go that way. Uh, lowest ticket I could find was $164. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I found some some games where the lowest was like $400. And I said, come on, man. You know, can you imagine having that much enthusiasm? I mean, granted, it's only a 4,000-seat stadium. But, you know, talk about biz and business, a baseball biz. Somebody needs to get a hold of these guys. And – we're not going to go into all of the some of the selling or marketing techniques they're doing, but they're trying to make baseball fun. I mean, Brett Phillips would be happy, 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 happy here. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to hit you with a couple of these, okay? Uh, let's see. No bunting. Bunting sucks. Enough said. That's, that's <laughs> one of the rules. Okay, it's rule number four. Uh, batters can steal first. If a pass ball or wild pitch happens during any pitch, of an at bat, the batter can take off to first. <laughs> uh, no mound visits allowed. <laughs> That'll speed up a game. Yeah, that, that can be useful. Uh, if a fan catches a ball, it's an out. Why not let the fans get in on some of the action? <laughs> <laughs> that could be uh, fun. What if it's a home run and they oh, catch it? Oh, man, that would hurt. You know, you got a grand slam or something in that. Jeez, that could, that could be crazy. And it's played like it, this is an interesting part too. You know, in golf you have match play where instead of just saying what your cumulative score is, you talk about each uh each time you go on each can't speak. <sighs> each hole. Okay. <laughs> How you doing each <laughs> hole? So it's here's the rule in that. Every inning counts. The team that scores the most runs in an inning gets a point. Okay. You know, if you hit five runs or whatever, you still get a point, single point. The first team to win five points wins the game 
The inning is over. Once the home team takes a lead or three outs are reported on the home team. <laughs> <laughs> this is a different, different rule, rule yeah. package. Yeah, there, there's a few others, including like no walks allowed. And like, so you and I'll dig into to the Savannah Bananas sometime soon. Uh, but I gave you probably most of the, the rules here. And the people who did this, they're going to be a, a great topic about how they, uh, this man and wife, bought this team and, and what they've done with it. So it's the Savannah Bananas baseball minor league team. Lots of fun. Man, I, I can't wait to hear that show. That sounds yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to do it either. But going on with, um, like I said from here, I'll be, we'll be talking with Mary Kitts here in a little bit because softball, you know, we're coming to the NCAA finals. We're the last eight teams in the regionals, been the super regionals. And We'll share a little bit more with you that in a few moments. Any other nuggets you wish to share with us, Brandon? Any other sports going on that you you want to illuminate for the rest of our audience? Oh, man. I mean, the NHL playoffs, they're we're on the, the back nine. You were talking about golf a second ago. We're the conference finals. You have the Oilers and Avalanche going against each other. I mean, you got guys like McKinnon, McDavid, Dreisaitl going against each other. That's going to be a fun series. Last night, it was like a seven to six final. Wow. So that that was a really, nobody really wanted to play defense, but it was fun to watch those skill <laughs> players doing, doing their thing. And then the exact opposite in the Eastern Conference, where you have arguably the, the greatest goalie in the world in Vasilevsky going up against who some people say is the best goalie in the world, but I think, you know, he, he was second at the moment. Igor Sesterkin. So that's going to probably be the complete opposite. I think that's going to be a really fun series to watch as well. I'd love to see McDavid Vasilevsky go against each other in the finals. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's got my interest peaked for the next few weeks racing, you know, coming off the high of the greatest weekend in racing. That was of course, very fun to watch long day that went from about nine in the morning to past midnight Oof. watching racing. But this week's a little bit of a, a slow, a slow down compared to last week, but it's it's still going to be fun. NASCAR is going to two new tracks, Portland and St. Louis. So excited to see that as well. You know, get some new blood in there. Always fun to watch. But that's pretty much all that's going on around the, the sports world, at least in in my eyes. And and that's all that's important from Sports Blitz Pod. <laughs> and that's Brandon. You can find him again and t- on Twitter at Sports Blitz Pod. Wow, Brandon. So, man, thank you once again for bringing all of what's going on in the rest of the sports world, as well as illuminating the MLB rundown this week. Yeah, and thank you for making special accommodations for me, and thank you, everybody else, for listening. And we're going to go ahead now and follow up with a little depth of what's going on in NCAA softball with our special analyst, Mary Kitts, to join us once again to talk a little bit about the World Series of Women's Softball coming up here with the NCAA Division One, And what does that mean? Who's there? How do they get there? And what's next? Welcome, Mary. How you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I am doing great. Thank you for asking. I've been following baseball a lot, but obviously so much going on with softball. And a lot of these young women who worked so hard this entire year, you know, they play their complete seasons. And we've gotten here to the World Series. You see some of the primary teams that we expected to see there and, and some of the other ones that have fallen off as a softball fan, you know, you're looking at this, what are you seeing out there? What, what was unexpected and what was expected on these teams? Cause 
who's out there that you're, you're looking at as the most potential winner of the entire championship? Well, definitely Oklahoma. They're, they're always going to be a part of that conversation. Um, you know, they just had an incredible offense this year. They beat UCF to get to the World Series. Uh, and the first they play Northwestern, who is ranked number nine, but Northwestern is going to have to bring their A game to beat Oklahoma. I don't think anyone has done it twice this year. So that'll be difficult. But surprises, there are three unseated teams. Uh, we've got Texas, Arizona, and Oregon State who came in uh, and managed to get all the way to the World Series. Uh, Texas took down Arkansas, number four Arkansas. Wow. Yeah, and they did beat Oklahoma once in the regular season. So obviously they've got something special going on. And could be a surprise during this. Uh, Oregon State uh, took down number 11, Tennessee, uh, to make it all the way to the World Series. So that was, I mean, it, it, none of it is surprising, particularly because they've made it to Super Regionals. But when an unseeded team beats a seeded team, it's always a little bit of a, a shock because you know who the heavy favorite is going in. Uh, and then Arizona uh, took down Mississippi state so they so that was two unseated teams against each other uh arizona is one of the most storied softball programs in history too so it's good to see them back in the world series even though it's a surprise and then another surprise would be number 14 florida taking down virginia tech mm. yeah that, that a lot of people i know i saw a lot of comments on twitter etc there's like astonishment in some cases to see florida do that i mean we had we had a 1.3 or 4 potential Florida teams that were going to be in there. And at this point, uh, was it UCF, I think, not UCF. Yeah, UCF was still there in the Super Regionals, weren't they? And then uh, – Yes, UCF but, played Oklahoma. Right. So they got beat out of that. And I'd like to stop for a minute and let folks know, if they don't already, how this system works out. You know, in many times when you're watching uh, softball, baseball, whatever, as teams advance, they're usually playing in a series and throughout the regular season. And when we finally get to tournament time, we're finding what you're saying. We, we've got the regionals, we got the super regionals, and now we're at the World Series. But during the regionals and super regionals, how, how does that work? How many teams are in there and how do they, what do they have to do to advance? In the regionals, it's four teams. Uh, and so the way it works is the weekend before you're going to have the uh, conference championships. So like the ACC, the SEC. And then that Sunday, they have a selection Sunday where they select and they place all the teams in their brackets for regionals. And they play at the home field of the top seeded team. And there's four teams that will play. And it is uh, double elimination. You, you get to see a bunch of games last all weekend. And whoever comes out on top uh, advances to super regionals. In Super Regionals, there's two teams, and it's the best of three games. So, you know, whoever wins two gets to go on to the World, uh, to the World College, Women's College World Series, sorry. And from there on, it's double elimination and bracket play. And then after that, it's a best of three championship series. Okay, but, but getting down to the part of where we were talking about the regionals and Super Regionals, again, those were series. You didn't play just one game. You played two or three games or more. Is that How is that? Yes. So if you if you lost, for instance, the first game, but you kept winning, you would have played. I think it would be four. It could be five games if you came all the way back. 
to the end. Uh, so it's double elimination for those. And right now we're back to double elimination uh, until we get to the final championship series. So now we're down to eight teams. Yes. And, you know, because when you're looking at that and you say, my gosh, well, the, initially I thought, well, the, one will eliminate the other. But as you were saying, there's basically a, I'll call it a second chance bracket. I hate the word loser bracket, but a second chance bracket, a team that loses against another because there's only one game going to be defining, you know, defining who they have victory is to move on. But the second chance bracket allows somebody else to come back in. And as you were saying, we were talking about earlier, FSU, that was the tool that, that actually allowed them to come back in and win the entire thing a couple of years ago. Yeah, they went to the loser's bracket, and then they won every game they played after that to battle it out of the loser's bracket, which was pretty which was pretty good. Um, I know UCLA has done it as well. So it, it happens. You know, sometimes you have an off game, and then you come back and you take the tournament by shock and just win every game afterwards. Wow. <laughs> and that makes for an exciting that's, – that's always exciting to watch them do that. You know, if there's – there's so much going on when you watch these games. And, folks, if you're not looking at them, you're crazy if you're not. There's, there's a lot on ESPN, ESPN Plus, the different uh, collegiate sta- stations like ACC, the SEC, all of those. You can look at them. You can probably find some. And, and Mary and I will give you kind of a rundown of where you can find some of these games uh, in the women's championship here. They should all be on ESPN or ESPN2. Uh, some are on ABC. So this is when we all we get prime time. <laughs> I like it that there sounds like maybe most everything you'd be able to see on one one channel or one network, what's one streaming service, if you will. Yeah, my Thursday is going to be good because I'll just sit down at 12 and start watching softball until like 12 that night and I'll just watch it all on ESPN. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the way to approach it. I know in preparation for all this and as teams were advancing, I saw a little bit of news. One of them was is the Longhorns actually uh, moved up and won in the Super Regionals. I don't think everybody was prepared for that and being able to celebrate appropriately. It sounded like some folks at the NCAA may have actually dropped the ball in helping that team celebrate their win. Yeah. It looks like they didn't get their hats or the, uh, they get this like poster thing where they get to put their sticker on it to show they've advanced to the world series. Uh, and it doesn't sound like they got that. I'm sure it was just an honest mistake, but I feel bad for those girls. Cause that would have been an exciting moment. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of anticipated. Hey, we got here. We did all this. And oh, by the way, where's our where's our winter championship gear, boys and girls? <laughs> and they didn't they didn't deliver. But I saw later on that between uh, boosters and fans and everything else, they got a lot more love as well. So I don't think they're deflated enough that it will uh, hurt them as they advance here to the World Series. My gosh, it's crazy. I. It's it's such an exciting part of the game. You know, just kind of a sidebar. I always wondered, you know, during these championships, you know, all these vendors have made up all the hats and all the shirts with different teams that are going to be the, the champions. So half of them are inaccurate. I wonder if they all go into a, a bin somewhere and are chopped up. I've seen pictures where they've given them away to like uh, they've just given them away to people. So in in other countries, so you see oh, pictures. Wow wearing hats or shirts from a team that didn't win a tournament (laughs) (laughs) well well they should probably find their way if they could to to a computer somewhere and they could probably sell that as a a high ticket item okay (laughs) well enough of that these teams are advancing 
you and I talked in the past about the COVID year and how a lot of players, how these players were extended an additional year of being able to play softball. One thing I thought, well, that's great. You know, you and I've talked about some of the players FSU had, and we thought it'd be great to see them yet for one more year come up, come along through here. But I saw that uh, somewhere was it, I think it was Michigan. A couple of the, the women there have said, you know, our fifth year, we're going to go go somewhere else. We're going to actually transfer or go to another school. Yeah. Um, we saw a couple out of Michigan. They were six out of Alabama. So after they lost the, in the regionals. So I don't know if that's a signal of discontent with the program. Uh, for Alabama, I was a little surprised because obviously they look like they're going to come back next year and they have a good shot of making it to the World Series. But apparently, it, 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 when six players enter the transfer portal right after you lose a big game, it makes it seem like something is wrong. Yeah. For Michigan, they haven't been to the World Series since 2016, I think. So I'm guessing that those players are looking for a better chance elsewhere. Uh, or, you know, they could also just be looking for a different program that fits their, t- their style of play better. You never really know why a player has entered the transfer portal. Uh, you never really know the decision process that goes on behind that, but sometimes it looks like something wonky is going on, like at Alabama. Yeah, did you see six are doing it in Alabama? Yeah, six. Uh, two days after losing the NCAA regionals, six players entered the transfer portal. Wow. Yeah, there's there's going to be another story coming out of that. I'm sure in the future. Yeah, it was right. like three freshmen who were all starters, the number two pitcher and uh, two older players, two veteran players. It wasn't like it was just players who were looking to get playtime. These players had playing time. Wow. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll be curious to watch that as well. But there's, there's enough good positive things going on. You were saying as far as some of your top contenders, I mean, I, I, always, I would just want to scratch my head and say, come on, guys, Oklahoma, 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 Oklahoma. I'm tired of hearing about it. But, yeah, there they are. And I saw somebody talking about a couple of pairings they would thought would be interesting. One would be Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And another one was, I think they said, UCLA and Arizona. So I thought both of those would be interesting to see. And Oklahoma State plays enough with Oklahoma to, 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 know, to know how they play. It's not going to be anything new for them. No, that's a great rivalry, of course. And I'm sure the people in Oklahoma would love that since it's a, it would be a home state rivalry in Oklahoma City. You know, for as tired as we get talking about Oklahoma, they really just have been unreal this season. Uh, <laughs> they they deserve all the praise they're getting. I've never seen a softball team so dominant. It will be interesting to see if anyone can can beat them out and take them down. They're the ones to beat. They are the ones to come after, and they're the ones everyone's hoping they'll be able to beat. Well, we'll see what comes, but uh, it's coming soon. So all this starts thir- Thursday, right? Yep, it starts Thursday. The first game is going to be Texas at UCLA, and that starts at 12 o'clock on Thursday. Wow. So that goes on and then through the weekend, and then when's the next, when's the next step? What do they, when do we finally get down to the final two teams? What's that date? The, la- the final two teams should start June 8th through the 10th. So Monday will be the last part of the bracket, and then they have two days off. So June 8th, I'm not sure what day that is. I'm guessing it's a Wednesday. 
Yes, it is. It's a Wednesday. So June 8th, Wednesday is when the final tournament will start. We're recording here today on June 1st. So we're looking one week away. It's going to be here and excitement will out. So I'm going to be watching and uh, anything else you think that uh, fans and enthusiasts should be looking at right now as we, we come closer and closer to that date? I just think even if you don't have a team in it, which I don't really have a team in it, it's still fun to watch. Um, you get you get a week of softball coming up, which is fun. You get to just sit back and relax and watch games. Uh, I'll be interested to see, to see what the unseeded teams do. Right. Uh, to, to see if they can, you know, metaphorically beat Goliath, which is all the seeded teams. Otherwise, it's just going to be a fun week. It's always a fun week. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And like I said, I, I, nothing against Oklahoma. They, they've achieved these things because they're good. They're great. There's great coaching. But I think I'm going to pull for Arizona. I think that's – I've got my um, – I think yeah, I believe I'm going to pull for Arizona. I like Arizona. I don't know who I'm pulling for yet. Uh, probably whoever surprises us the most. I like an underdog <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah, Okay. Well, maybe you and I can talk again once uh, all this has come to be and say what we enjoyed about the series and share that with everybody else out, out there as well. Sounds good to me. Okay, Mary, thanks again for joining us here today at Baseball Biz. Having another fun time trying to, uh, for me, to try to understand everything about softball. But the one thing I do understand, it is fun to watch. So hope all of you enjoyed the time here with us at Baseball Biz. And once again, thanks, Mary, and we'll catch up real soon. Sounds good. You've been listening to Baseball Biz. We want to thank you again for joining us this week. You can find us here. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere. Thank you again for joining us today, and we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to X-Take RUX for the music rocking forward. That's just terrible, terrible basketball.